0: Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Amen. Your friends in Christ. Picture in your mind a traditional Thanksgiving dinner. It's a multi-generational affair with lots of people gathered at the table. After everything has been passed and everyone has started on their first servings of all the dishes, Grandpa speaks up to get the family tradition started. Come on, it's time for everyone to share what they're thankful for this year. We'll start with little Johnny there first and work our way around the table to to me and Grandma. Johnny actually has it easiest, because he's only two, and his parents coached him all the way there that day and quickly again just before dinner. But everyone else has that moment, or more than a moment of stress, wanting to make sure that what they say sounds sufficiently thankful, but is still unique enough that it well doesn't sound just like they're copying everyone else. And of course, there's always the curiosity, wondering what the others are going to say. Parents quietly hope that their kids don't just express thanks for things like iPhones and video games or making the cheerleading squad, but actually mention things that show that they're not completely centered on themselves and their own desires. Spouses wait to see if they get named when husbands and wives list what they're grateful for, and cousins maybe listen for things they can hassle each other about after dinner. Picture Janet, one of the adult children at the table, listening as her 10- and 13-year-olds begin their what-I'm-thankful-for recitations and readying herself for what her husband Mark will say. She's not nervous, and there's really nothing in her life that's unhappy. But there is something she's really hoping to hear from any or all of them. Appreciation. She does so much for all of them all of the time, and she is happy to do it. But far too often, she just feels taken for granted. They count on her for everything. But so often they treat her as as if her loving service to them is is just the permanent feature of the family and permanent obligation on her part. And she wonders, well, she knows how shaky that assumption really is. If she were to really get sick or, or injured or worse, it would all fall apart. And she wonders if they have any idea. She realizes. She really, really wants to hear. I'm thankful for Mommy and everything she does around the house. And I give thanks to God for my wife, Janet, who takes such good care of everything in the family so I don't have to worry about it at all. Across the table, Jack is thinking almost opposite thoughts. He's married to Martha, Janet's sister, and Martha has never failed to express deep and very specific appreciation for him as her husband in front of her whole extended family. She counts on him for so much and has called him her rock more than once. But this year he feels more than most that it's all going to come crashing down any day. Not only is he about to lose his job, which he hasn't told her, but he's been engaged in an on-again, off-again affair for the last two years, and he has convinced himself that he hasn't actually loved Martha for the last three or four. He curses himself for incompetence and cowardice and cringes as his wife begins to thank God for her wonderful husband. Janet's and Jack's situations Both illustrate spiritual problems that come into focus at Thanksgiving. Although, of course, we we should be concerned about those things 365 days a year. The one is treating things lightly in your life that are good, sure, and constant. The other is treating as good, sure, and constant things in your life that have no real weight or strength. We might say one is taking what is rock for granted, and the other is taking what is not for granite. It is clear what the rock in our life is, or at least should be. The Lord is called that throughout the Psalms. It was in the psalm that we began our worship with today. And it is a theme that comes through in three songs in the Old Testament, that of Moses in Deuteronomy, that of David in 2 Samuel, and that of Hannah, which we read earlier from 1 Samuel. The imagery is both simple and powerful. In contrast to unreliable and impermanent things like people's promises, fleeting riches, good weather, and runs of luck, God is bedrock. God is like a stone mountain, like Gibraltar. He is always there. He cannot be moved. He is strong to withstand any attack, and anything built on Him will stand as firm as He is. As Hannah said, there is no rock like our God. He is not someone you want to oppose or attack, no more than you would want to throw your body at the wall of a cliff that you find in your way, thinking that somehow your efforts will actually cause it to move or crumble before you. But for all who put their trust in Him, the Lord will be the one who gives you strength to stand when troubles and troublemakers come at you. He will be the one whose promises to you will always be kept, even when the people you count on most disappoint you. He will be the one who still loves and forgives and restores you when you've committed the same sin against Him for the umpteenth time because His love and mercy never And His Word will be the solid foundation you can rely on when science and society and peers and professors and pressure and philosophies and rumors and doubts cause you to wonder what is true and what can be believed. But though the Lord our rock stands tall and strong and looms large, He is still sometimes forgotten and too often taken for granted not just by others, by us. We call Him our God, and yet we make our choices and fulfill our fleshly desires as though He didn't even exist. When troubles come, we do everything in our power to handle them on our own and despair if we do not have the strength or resources, remembering God only, perhaps, at the end of our ropes as a last resort. And when new ideas come to us from the media or our peers or professors, ideas that tell us to forget everything that came before and accept only what is unprecedented as truth, we easily set aside the Scriptures and happily build our new views on their foundations of sand. And while we like the idea of grace and mercy and a God of love, we like it in the distance, as something to be appreciated, not something right in front of us, not something in our hearts and on our minds, as something we desperately need. But we do desperately need grace and mercy and a God of love, an undying, unlimited, unconditional, rock-like love, because every man, woman, and child of us is a sinner deserving only God's wrath and punishment, death and damnation. Every act or thought in which we take Him for granted is a sin. Every act or thought in which we turn our backs on Him is a sin. Every act or thought in which we do what we desire instead of what He demands is a sin. And each and every sin disqualifies us from heaven separates us from the Lord and dooms us to hell. So we need a God who is more than our judge and more than the greatest power in the universe. We need a God with a rock-solid love for sinners. A God who will do for us what we could never do for ourselves. And that is exactly the God who has revealed Himself to us in His Word, the Bible, and even more importantly, has showed Himself to us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ, because He is the rock of our salvation. Jesus took all your sins and all my sins and all the sins of all the world and bore those sins in His own body as though they were His own on the cross. and With His suffering and death, He paid for them once for all, completely for everyone. There is nothing left to be done to do away with them or with Satan who uses our guilt to accuse us or or with death which, which no longer imprisons us. Jesus rose from His tomb alive forever and now anyone and everyone who puts their trust in Him and what He did for us has that same eternal life. Just as through faith, we now also have His perfect holiness as our own. This is sure and certain. We don't have to doubt or wonder whether it can be ours. Jesus did it for all, and He offers it for all, and He wanted us to be secure in our salvation. The word in which this gospel is announced to us is unchanging, complete, and true. The baptism in which your sins were washed away and God claimed you as His child is objective, lasting, and true. And The Lord's Supper in which Christ gives you forgiveness, life, and salvation in His body and blood is tangible, certified with His own words, and true. So the Lord is our rock, the rock of our salvation. And He wants to remain our rock, and we want Him always to be our rock. Our prayer that we never take Him, His boundless grace, or any of His gracious gifts for granted, or take the wrong things for granted. What is of God in His nature and what He has sealed with His promises is always rock-solid and secure. But trouble comes when we start treating as permanent and reliable and unchanging things that can actually be lost or that just don't last. It's a problem, not just because we might end up disappointed or worse, but because we can end up giving those fake rocks the trust and devotion that we owe to God alone. Do you remember what happened when the bottom fell out of the real, the housing market and, and the recession hit the last decade? People who had their, sunk their se- sense of self-worth into ownership of their homes suddenly lost both and fell into despair. People who had expected their jobs to continue to to give them a good income for the rest of their lives suddenly found themselves on the unemployment line. Marriages that were sustained by a high standard of living collapsed when one or both spouses decided that making do on much less just wouldn't do. The home, the career, the relationship were taken for granite but they turned out to be little more than styrofoam. What are the things that you are inclined to take for granted that are not? What are the things that you put too much trust in, trust that you should more wisely be putting in God? Perhaps it is your mother or father always being there for you, always doing for you the things that need to be done, usually without your even thinking to ask. Maybe it is the love of your husband or the respect of your wife, their willingness to to put up with your idiosyncrasies and the ready smile across a hurried breakfast in the morning. Maybe you take for granted the good behavior of your sons or the good grades of your daughters or, or their achievements in sports. Or maybe it is other blessings that we act as though they were all, are always there, have always been there, and will always be there. Things like living in a free society with freedom, religion, and speech, and assembly. Things like good government, and economy one can actually do business in, and, and banks that you can safely put your money in. Things like fresh food in a supermarket. Safe food in a restaurant, clean water, ready transportation, public schools open to all, IRAs and 401ks and health insurance and social security. It's easy to think and act and plan as though things like these are permanent features of our lives and world. But too often we don't appreciate what blessings they are or notice them at all until they are threatened. Or disappear and if they are lost and we despair we are guilty not only of ingratitude while we enjoyed them but of unbelief while we trusted them instead of the Lord our rock but the good news is twofold first that even those sins are forgiven us for Christ's sake And second, that it is never too late to change our thinking about these blessings, to to count them, to value them properly, and to give thanks to God for them. Think about your spouses, children, parents. Think about the family of God that we have here as a congregation. Think about your job, your home, your resources, your friends, your classmates and colleagues your education, the economy, your nation, your community. Recognizing the impermanence of these blessings will actually make us even more thankful for them. When we realize that we may not have tomorrow what we have today, we will be that much more certain to praise God for giving them to us yesterday. We will be even more determined to work and pray, to keep and nurture and grow and maintain them with whatever opportunities and resources God gives us. Don't be surprised that this sets us apart from others. Living lives of thankfulness is not how most of the rest of the world does things. And recognizing that we have the Lord as our rock, who can truly be counted on for all things, gives us a foundation and a hope beyond anything the world can offer. So we live different, and we live better. As Paul encouraged us earlier in our reading from First Thessalonians, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Hold on to the good. There is no God. There is no rock like our God who grants us all things. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. Amen. Please rise. May God Himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who calls you, is faithful, and He will do it. Amen.